Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about our gifts and offerings. The beauty about giving is that the amount is not the important thing to God, but the obedience and the motive of the heart as God has prospered us. Luke 21, 3-4 says, Jesus speaking, This poor widow has put in more than all. She, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. Jesus looked at her heart. You see? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Scripture tells us that God will provide our every need, but it also says that sometimes provision comes through our brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's the way the early church worked, and it's no different today. So let's join Pastor Xavier in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 for today's Simple Truths in the final message from this series titled, An Offering of Love. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul the Apostle had um, spoken to the Corinthians about their lack of love for the church body. Paul now comes to the end of the letter and he deals with the matter of uh, the poor saints of Jerusalem in order to bring about greater unity between Jew and Gentile. That was a great animosity. Heavy stuff. Paul's purpose was to remind them that they were one in Christ, in the heavenlies, in Christ, the Holy Epistle of Ephesians. Notice verse 1. Paul the Apostle stated their participation in the collection was due to the fact that it was for the saints. Not concerning the collection, for the saints. Paul the Apostle dealt here with the collection without doubt because the Corinthians had asked about it. These were questions that they had asked Paul to instruct them about. Paul was, had seen the severe poverty of the church. And he felt an obligation and love out of that to come alongside and, and compassionately give to them. That's all. The phrase I have given orders here in the text here, it means to appoint, to ordain, or to set an order for the collection that be accomplished. The phrase has nothing to do with compulsion or forcefulness. That should never be. Any giving should never be forceful or by compulsion. Rather, for loving action and motivation of the heart because I'm obeying God and I'm, I'm obeying God's direction. That's very, very important. And it's unfortunate that there's so much pressure and so much begging and so much prodding from the pulpit, from Christian ministries and everything else. I say it with embarrassment. The Apostle Paul stated their taking up in the collection was due to the fact that the Corinthians were to follow the example of the churches of Galatia. Now, the Galatians are Gentiles, okay? The Corinthians are Gentiles. They're going to help the Jewish brethren who have become Christians. The mutual partaking in the collection for the poor saints was in view of family unity. That's it. Notice secondly, verse 2. The method of gathering the collection. The Apostle Paul indicated the collection should be on the first day of the week. Paul refers to Sunday by the phrase the first day of the week. Paul knew the phrase was used for the customary day of the church. Listen to Acts 20, verse 7, when he's speaking to the Ephesian elders. Luke is the writer. As Paul arrived at Troas, having the, um, left Ephesus on his way to Jerusalem, he preached there until midnight and the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, it says. First day of the week. They always met on Sunday. So this is when he says it should be taken. In verse 10 and 11, he says, And this I give advice. 
it is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. Notice next, the Apostle Paul indicated the collection should be based on individual wages. Storing up as he may prosper, literally as you have been prospered. The amount of giving was not dictated by Paul. Isn't that great? (laughs) He doesn't give an amount. The giving was to be in proportion to one's earnings. The giving was that no one would be burdened and others would be eased. Paul told the Corinthians in the second letter about the simple principle of proportionate giving to ability. In 2 Corinthians 8, 12 through 14, he says, For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he uh, does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack and their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. Paul said, I don't want somebody to be just slackful and not be doing anything and others being burdened over it. And everything is in proportion. He's not talking about spreading the wealth. He's saying as God leads you, as God has blessed you, let him direct you. Wow, how simple that is. Still in verse 2, the apostle Paul indicated that the collection should be, listen, discreet, that there be no collection when I come. The giving was not to be something that would make an onlooker feel like it was reluctant, forceful, or boastful. Wow, look at what he gave. The giving was not to draw attention to the giver. It was not to be done in any way except with great modesty and discretion. What a difference it is when God lays something on somebody's heart to help you or or you help somebody else, and you do it in such a discreet way, and you just kind of just put some money in, in a card, and you give them a scripture, and you don't put a return address or nothing, not even your name, and you give it to them, and you let God get the glory rather than going up when they're talking to five people and say, Brother, the Lord told me to give you this money. Thank God. Praise God. Don't look to me. Here it is. You think that's funny? People do that. They do that because of wrong example and teaching. Horrible. The giving was to be evidence of their love, not legalism. Listen to 2 Corinthians 8, 10 and 11. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it that as there was a readiness to desire, so there also may be a completion of the what you have. Now, I've already given you this, but again, he reminds them that it wasn't his idea. This is theirs. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 9, 3-5, he says, Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain and disrespect. That is, I said to you to be ready, lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, then he says, it's to your shame and all the boasting I've done. 
In other words, come on, get with it. It's a matter of love and discretion and everything from the heart. Early in his career, young Albert Hyde showed ability to make money. Though he did lose a lot of money several times, yet his hands had a magic touch. You ever meet people like that? They're kind of like people that with plants, they have the guy with green thumb, they just look at a plant and it grows two feet. You know, it's just the way it is. Um, Once he pledged God his tithe, and then he became interested in a salve or remedy for coals from which came mentholatum. He did not forget his pledge, and as God shoved in, he literally shoveled it out until his name became synonymous with Christian giving. He gave multiplied millions to the YMCA at one time. All his income from mentholatum in Japan was supporting Japanese missions work there. And when he died at 87, this poor businessman had given a million and a half dollars to missions alone. Now, these are real people. These are real Christians. These illustrations are not to make you feel guilty or to manipulate you. It's to show God's faithfulness and that God doesn't need us. God does what he wills. He owns a cattle on every hill. If he raises the ministry up and if that pastor and elders depend upon God, God will take care of it. Even if people didn't give, God will provide the money. I believe that wholeheartedly. I am an example of that in this ministry. 32 years, ladies and gentlemen. It is stupid to try to do ministry any other way. Because the minute I depend on people, I am dead. I am great as long as I say what you like. But if I say something that ruffles your feather, you'll tar and feather me. That's us. We're people. God is faithful. Now, we attempt to follow the same principle for taking up the offering here on Sunday once a week. Even though it's not talking about tithing directly, we use the same principle. We don't spend 10, 15 minutes with sad stories or tell you how, how much money we are lacking and this and that. We, don't, we just make adjustments. We've gotten off many radio stations. God does, he hasn't provided. He doesn't want us on it. No big deal. It's just the way it is. We go to our closet, and God is faithful. And for 32 years, God has taken care of us because we live within our means. We do it for the family of God and not for the unbeliever. That would send a wrong message. If I was up here begging and pleading and there's a non-believer here visiting and he sees the song I'm playing, what a contradiction to God and the gospel. We abstain from making the pulpit a begging platform, special needs and this and that and this and that and on and on. We don't do that. 2 Corinthians 8, 12 says, For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. Our desire is to keep the offering as pure as possible by simply teaching what God's word says about giving to God, what belongs to God. That's it. By making sure that everyone understands that God is only honored by what is given from the heart and freely of one's own free will. Very important. By never attempting to motivate people 
to give with the idea that often it's taught that if you give one, God will give you 10. What I can tell you is that God will be faithful to you if you're a good steward and obedient to God and live within your means. Then you will not lack. Now, sometimes some people get in trouble. They lose their job. The illness happens, stuff like that. Those are normal things in life. That doesn't mean they're bad stewards. But we are good stewards of what God gives us. And we give to God what belongs to him, not anything else. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. The beauty about giving is that the amount is not the important thing to God, but the obedience and the motive of the heart. Each one of us is to give as God has prospered us. Each of us is not to be concerned with how much others give. That's between you and God. Each of us are to give regularly so that no person or group is burdened or receives the glory. Luke 21, 3 through 4 says, Jesus speaking to his disciples, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all, for all these out of their abundance have put in offerings to God, but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. This widow gave what it took to live. Jesus looked at her heart. You see? He wasn't impressed with all these wealthy people. Our giving should be before God, not to be seen of men. Too often people are motivated by carnal motivations and carnal giving for finances. At times individuals prayed and giving not praise to men. Our giving should be before God, not before men. Listen to Matthew 6, 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men. To be seen of them, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Amen. Let me tell you, what can we give? Paul says to the Corinthians, listen, listen. God's unspeakable gift. He gave his son. Now, what have you given? He gave all. The method of gathering the collection was in view of personal what? Responsibility. Notice thirdly. The means of transporting the collection, verse 3 and 4. In 3, the Apostle Paul planned on coming to Corinth uh, to receive the collection. He says, and when I come. And so Paul planned on coming uh, through Macedonia. Verse 5 tells us that. This was a long route to Corinth, maybe to give them more time to get ready, but probably because uh, Paul was passing through Macedonia, picking up the thing, and then he would come to them, as he says in, in chapter 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians. Now notice the Apostle Paul in verse 3 still would send a group of men to carry the collection to Jerusalem. Whoever you approve by your letters, I will send uh, to bear your gift to Jerusalem. So Paul was allowing the Corinthians to choose certain men to bear the collection to Jerusalem. Accountability. Men approve. Men who have been scrutinized, tested through the time. Those men verified to be honest of character, integrity. This is so important in church. Now, the reason being to ensure the safety of the collection, make sure that that money got there. And that's another thing, by the way, okay? By footnote. God will hold you responsible where you give your money. You can't just say, well, they're Christian. No, you got to know if, they're, if they're gonna, that money's going to get there. Especially those sad stories on television with poor kids in their pictures. You make sure that that's a real ministry and not a guy over there just living rich. All right? God will hold you responsible for the money you give to whatever ministry. that You need to investigate that ministry. 
And if you don't see God working in the ministry, you don't see people growing and maturing and reaching out to the community, then, then you're investing in the wrong thing and God will hold you responsible for your money. You understand? It's just simple. So he would accept the letters of commendation regarding their character of these men, and rightly so, the Corinthians would know them, and they would stand behind them, and they would accompany their offering. And then Paul himself would send them, since he was the one who had begun the collection and had persisted through this third missionary journey to do so. So he's really the, the source of it, so he feels uh, partly as, as the one mainly responsible. He mentioned as one of those who would go with him that had a proof character in 2 Corinthians 8, 16, and 17. He says, but thanks be to God who put the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. Titus was an incredible guy. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. He's a guy of character, and, and, and here he, he just feels the Lord directing him. He also sent others of like to prove character, that, um, those of other churches. In 2 Corinthians, again, chapter 8, verse 18, 19, he says, And we have sent with him the brothers whose praise is in the gospel through all the churches, and not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself and to show your ready mind. So godly, faithful, proven men, you don't just put someone over finances because they're wealthy or because they're a businessman or because whatever. God holds us responsible. So he gives the reason for all the security of the collection here to be blameless from any accusation. In 2 Corinthians 8, 20 through 24, it says, avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift. It's a large gift, lavish gift, which is administered by us, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord. Because you can say, well, you know, God knows your heart. Yeah, I don't know. I can't just trust that. But also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or if our, our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of God, the cream of the crop. These men are solid. Therefore, show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and are boasting on your behalf. Great stuff. How can we not follow the instruction of Paul in the New Testament? Why is this church so messed up? Why do we run like a corporation rather than like a church? Notice verse 4. The apostle Paul would go also, if necessary. But if it, if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. In other words, if the collection was of substantial worth, then it might be worth his while and his duty to accompany it to Jerusalem. Why? Because he was the one that was picking up the collection through the missionary journeys. He felt primarily responsible. The statement reveals the personal touch of Paul. He did not think himself above anyone, but he lived and made himself one among them as his Lord. Wow. Young Stanley Tam had failed in the silver reclaiming business, even though he had tithed since its beginning. Now, this story, I, I, I had to look at him on the Internet. He's still alive. Incredible guy. Listen. He says, why, God? He prayed as he drove homeward with numb disappointment. 
Then an inner voice from the Lord seemed to say, you don't need to fail. Turn your business over to me and let me run it. Remember the promise. My God shall supply, and you know the scripture, all your needs, Christ Jesus. Finally, Tam replied, take it, God, and if you'll make it succeed, I'll honor you in every way I can. He returned home, and the business grew. Many months later, after he had married, he wrestled with his conscience once more and told his wife, quote, I feel God would have us to take a bigger step of faith than tithing and make him a senior partner in the business. 50% of the stock belongs to him. States Smelting and Refining Corporation of Lima, Ohio was recognized that way. Soon, a new corporation, United States Plastic, was added to God's partnership. Growth was so phenomenal that the IRS audited his books for 10 consecutive years. Dividends from God's 51% were put into the Sanitas Foundation, which helps overseas missions mainly. And as the business passed the multi-million dollar mark, God's share was up to 60% annually. Then one day, the ultimate happened. Stan and Juanita Tam turned over the ownership of the entire business to God. They became just salaried employees. Since then, a new plant quadrupled. Its original size sprung up, and the business continues to prosper. It's still today. Again, this is not for guilt or prejudice. It's just an exhortation to us. You understand? God is faithful. God has us faithful. God doesn't need us at all, ladies and gentlemen. I tell you, God bears me witness. I lie not. God is so incredible, and he will take care of you, and he will be sufficient for you. We will pray with you. We will uh, hear you out. We will cry with you. We will laugh with you, but we are not the Savior, and nothing that happens here has anything to do with us. Financial accountability is to be of the utmost concern in churches. There should be good bookkeeping. There should be checks and balances, many of them. There should be outside audits. It's important. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do what? All to the glory of God. Titus 1.7 says, For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-will, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money. Very important. Listen to 1 Peter 5.2-4. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords of those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. The means for transporting the collection was in view of accountability to be what? Blameless. Blameless. So here you have the instruction of Paul to the Corinthians on the collection for the saints. Characterized by the three things that still apply today and in principle straight across all finances. The mutual partaking in the collection for the poor saying was in view of what? Family unity. The method of gathering the collection was in view of personal responsibility. And the means of transporting the collection was in view of accountability to be blameless. God help us in our own lives. And as the church, listen to me, it takes years, years for your character and for the reputation of a ministry 
and all it takes is one stupid move to destroy it. That's all. Just one. All the years gone in one stupid decision. God help us. Pastor Xavier Reese closes today's message with some practical truths about giving. And you can request a copy of today's encouraging study from 1 Corinthians called An Offering of Love. And it's available on CD for $4 just to help cover costs. And this message will also contain everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. The title to ask for once again is An Offering of Love. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. This helps us in determining the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And we hope you'll join us right here next time for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 